We have been looking into the Word about the power of the Word and how the Word changes our living, can change our living. We need to be willing participants, though. It's not going to just happen. It's not a Superman mentality where it just flies in our window one day like Superman to the rescue. It takes participation on our part and willingness on our part to cooperate with the Word and to apply the Word to our hearts, apply it. And so, it's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at the stories in the Bible to see how people respond to the Word, some of the words they say. Sometimes people can talk about, people can talk about the Word, sounds like they got it down, but to really apply it to our living, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother piece. And that only happens as we have a humble spirit that does want to be taught and not think that we know it all or we're the one who should be teaching it. We all, we all are bowing when we come to, to the Word, aren't we? Okay, we've been looking at the life of Elijah. And last week he was taken up in a fiery chariot, remember that, or in a whirlwind, or both. And then we looked about the story about the oil, how Elisha told the widow woman to fill the pots with oil, and she didn't question the prophet's word. We're in Second Kings now, and we're going to look at chapter 5 today. Second Kings chapter 5. All right, this, is, this chapter has a story about Naaman. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Syria and was a great honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given him victory over Syria. And he was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Ooh, wow. Now, in those days, that was the incurable disease, and it was the worst thing that you could have because usually it brought separation. You couldn't live with your family. You had to be separated because it was catching and they didn't know where, how, what it came from or how it spread. And so lepers were, were pretty much usually ostracized. And the Syrians had gone out on raids, at least in Israel they were, and, but he was, of course, a Syrian, and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Now we have a couple of things going on here, don't we? First of all, we have a little servant girl from Israel who knows about God, knows there's a man of God, and she could have kept this to herself. I mean, she was kind of risking risking herself here because they could have said, they could have, they could have killed her. They, they could have done anything they want with her. She's a slave in, in, this, in this position. But she doesn't hold her peace, does she, when she knows it could do somebody good. So it's a lesson to be learned there. She has courage, and she says to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Of course, this is a great distress in this family. Uh, that head of the household is, is, has this illness. And the servant girl sees this, and she knows that there's a God in Israel, and she knows that there's a man of God. And this is the same message that we have. 
we know that there's a God in Israel. We know that there's a living Savior who can supply people's needs. And it's not up to us. It's not that they need us. They need to get connected to the God of Israel. And he's the one who has the supply. And so Naaman heeded what the servant girl said, which says a lot about him too. He's the master. And, you know, you don't have to listen to your servants. He was a great and noble man. So it says something about his character. And it says something about the atmosphere he created for his servants to be able to speak to him. There are many people in positions of leadership that are not not approachable, that you can't talk to. And that's that's not the way it should be. We should always be able to hear what the people around us are saying. And so Naaman was able to hear what his servants were saying. That's amazing. Of course, he was in a kind of a desperate situation, wasn't he? And sometimes that helps us hear a little better too when we're, we're hurting and we need help and we hear, well, there might be hope here. So he heeded what the little girl said. Then the king of Samaria, he went, even went and told the king because he worked for the king. So now the king of Syria is hearing this message. The king of Syria said, now he could have said, what are you, out of your mind? Those are our enemies trying to get rid of all those people. What's wrong with you? I mean, he could have. But he says, no. He says, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel and said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. Uh-oh, it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So the king of Israel, he was uh, not walking with God, clearly. And he was he took this as an, an a tactical assault to in, perhaps engage in battle. Okay, so it shows you how badly things can be misunderstood when it, it, a simple, simple thing. He had come to really to find the man of God, not the king. But of course, his king, he worked for a king. So, you know, you, you deal on the, on the king, kingly level. So he sent him to the king of Israel. Surely the king of Israel would be able to help this matter. So he tore his clothes and he, he thinks, okay, now I'm in trouble. They're trying to pick a fight with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me. He shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Elisha heard about this noble man coming to seek healing, to seek help. And although the king is unable to help him, Elisha says, send him here. So then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now the king was happy to get rid of him and have somebody else say, send him to me, because he (laughs) was beyond him. And Elisha 
sent a messenger to him saying, Elisha didn't even go to the door or whatever. I mean, I don't know what he's living in, in usually tents and stuff, but Elisha doesn't even come out to greet the man, and he's a great noble. Elisha sends a messenger to him and says, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Wow. So he gives him, he gives him this instruction, but he doesn't even give it to him face to face. Now remember, this is a great man. This is a noble man. He's obviously a man of integrity. He's, he listens to his servants. They feel that he, they can approach him. He's in a desperate position. He's seeking help. And now this is kind of insulting. It's kind of insulting. And so he gets mad. And Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. See, he had it all figured out how the answer was going to come about. And isn't that sometimes what we do to God too? We have a, a preconceived idea of how God should answer this prayer. And unless he answers it like we specify, we're not so happy about that. And so, you know, he's not happy. And he says, <clears throat> Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a rage. Now the Jordan was known, notorious for being very muddy. It wasn't like a, a, a water, a, a river that you went to, you know, it was like really nice and sparkling and clean and all. He wasn't pleased about that. The rivers they had in Damascus, he thought, were superior. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, Now again, we see the same same dynamic here. His servants care about him. Wow, okay, that speaks. That speaks, that speaks well of him. And his servants aren't afraid, even though he's angry and miffed over the way this whole thing was handled, his servants aren't totally afraid to come and say, but Master, man, wait a minute, hold on. Think about this. That speaks well of him. My father, if the prophet had told you to do, and they appeal to his, his ego, I guess you could say. My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So the servants kind of say to him, look, you're a great man. If he had told you to do some great thing, you'd have done it. This is a simple little thing. It can't hurt to try. In other words, what if this would actually cure you from the leprosy? Wouldn't it be worth it? And who knows, but maybe these, these it doesn't tell us that, but maybe these servants kind of knew something about the true God also. Anyway, they cared about him. They weren't afraid to approach him. And they didn't hold their peace. And they encouraged him in a positive way. You know, they all could have gotten mad when they saw that he was miffed. There was choices here to make, be made. And again, you know, our, our, every day is choices. Every, every day we're making lots of choices. And they could have, they could have said, yeah, that's right. They don't, he, he, they had no right to talk to you like that. Let's get out of here. Let's, you know, uh, you know, what, just tell us and we'll kill him, you know? 
Well, they could have. That was what they were. They were noblemen. They were they were warriors. And there were, there were choices going on here, powerful choices and dynamics. And they could have got up in arms and they could have. But would the healing have ever come? Hmm. So the servants, they, they soften the blow and they say, think about it. Not so bad to go dip in the water. What if it really heals you? So we went down. He heeded them. He listened. He listened. Wow. You know, sometimes we struggle so hard listening to God. I mean, think about it. And here, the man's listening to his servants. He, wow, you know, a lesson to be learned. We, we need to listen. Listen, he was humble enough to hear. So he went down, dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Wow, that's huge. That's a huge miracle. Why? Because he was obedient. He humbled himself. He listened to his servants. He made that choice. He had a definite choice. He could have gotten up in arms and he could have done violence, but he didn't. He listened. He humbled himself. He went and he dipped him, did what he was. He became obedient. He became obedient. All of these things that nobody wants to hear about pretty much, you know, humble yourself, obey, listen. I know what's best for me. Oh, yeah, okay. How's that working for you? (laughs) Uh, So he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And now he says, the only thing is, I, I know in my heart I'm going to worship this God for the rest of my life, but I have to help the king. He leans on my arm, and I have to go into the temples of the idols. But he says, my heart is not going to be bowing at those idol uh, gods anymore. And yeah, he got it. Look how much he got in, in a short amount of time. That's what happens when we humble ourselves and we obey and we listen. That's what happens. Tremendous victory, tremendous, tremendous progress, tremendous promotion comes. All the things we're looking for come through humbling ourselves, through obeying and listening. That's what happens. We move forward. And our, the world around us tells us just the opposite. Stand up for yourself. You got rights. Nobody got, can tell you what to do. Well, okay. Again, how is that working for you? So, (laughs) unfortunately, seldom gets us where we really want to be. And we may get somewhere temporarily, but it's, it's no good. And when we do it God's way, wow, the blessing is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. God's blessings are immeasurable. And so while we walk this pilgrim journey, Let's learn, let's learn, let's learn to bow at God's word, to listen to God's word, to obey God's word. There's power in the word. It's not just words, it's powerful. And we can live in places that we never dreamed we could live if we'll do those three things.
So then the story continues a little bit, and he wants to offer Elisha uh, something in return. His heart is grateful, and he says, here, let me give you some, you, you could probably use some provision. Now, most people would say, thank you very much. But Elisha, in this case, feels no. From the Syrians, I'm not going to, you know, this could be mistaken for a political, (laughs) some kind of political thing or whatever he thought. He just, no, healing and and blessing from God can't be bought. And so I don't want any of your, any of your, of your, of your stuff. And so Naaman gets on his way, starts to go back. But Elisha, like Elijah, had a servant. Only, Elisha's servant wasn't quite as true-hearted and whole-hearted as Elisha had been to Elijah. And Gehazi, who was Elisha's servant, he heard that offer of money and clothing and all kind of good stuff, and he's thinking, what's wrong with you, Elisha? (laughs) We could use that stuff. What's wrong with you? (laughs) And so Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, it's all well. He got a little nervous. And here, look at what Gehazi chooses to say. He said, all is well. My master has sent me, saying, indeed, just now, two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim, Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Uh-oh. What's that? And flat out lie. Yeah, hello. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and, and bound two talents of silver and two bags and two changes of garments and handed them to the two of his servants and they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them on from their hand and stored them away in the house. And then he let the men go and they departed. Now he went in, stood before his master Elisha and said to him, Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, oh, your servant didn't go anywhere. Huh? What's that? Another lie. Lie to cover up a lie, right? Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Hmm. <laughs> is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, oh, those little therefores, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous, as white as snow. There are consequences to disobedience. And the consequences don't go away. I've told you that before. God forgives, yes. He restores, yes. But the consequences don't go away. And so it's a powerful, powerful story, isn't it? Of choices, of words that were spoken that resulted in one man being healed, set free, delivered, and another man being disobedient and the sick, same sickness coming on him and his family. It's heavy duty, isn't it? Heavy duty. 
we see that God, our words are important to God. Our words are important to God. And we cannot ever forget this. We live in a world that says whatever they please. In America, you know, it's a big thing right now. Freedom of speech, freedom of speech, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. And of course, it's taken to every extreme imaginable, isn't it? Every extreme imaginable. Why? Because words matter. Words do matter. And they matter a lot before God, too. And so we have to understand that our words are like seeds. Very pregnant seeds. (laughs) That as we speak our words, they create a harvest. They create a harvest. They create an atmosphere around us, number one. And then they create a harvest of things to come. Consequences, for sure. And the sooner we learn that, and the sooner we start to walk in the Word, and speak God's Word over our lives, and walk in truth, and bow our hearts at Him, become obedient, and listen, the harvest is going to be good. God wants us to have a good harvest. God is for us. He's not against us. Isn't this scare us in one way? Yeah, I guess to, to, to scare us enough to say, okay, i got to be more careful here about my words. But on the other hand, to know that God wants to bless us. If, 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 if Naaman could receive such blessing from obe- simple obedience, how much more us who walk in relationship with our God? He's a God of abundance, and he wants us to depend on him, not on anything else. Anything else. And as we walk in the word and apply the word to our hearts and walk in obedience and listen and humble ourselves and do what, what he's showed, told us to do, we will be blessed beyond all we can ask, think, or imagine. It's a tr- certainly a tremendous story there to teach us many, many many different things. And now some years have passed and Isaiah is on the scene. He's the prophet. In chapter 18, verse 9, Now it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elah, the king of Israel. That remember, Now at this time there were two kings, one over Judah and one over the ten tribes. That Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it. And in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Hala by the Habar, the river of Goza, in the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. And in the 14th year, there, there you go. <laughs> they went here, they went less than they wouldn't do. There you go. So what happened? They ended up in captivity. That was the ten tribes. And in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib came, king of Assyria, came up against the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. That was not good. And at that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. 
Then the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Rapsaris, and the Rapsica from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem. He figures, okay, they're giving me all their their gold, so they must be ready to surrender. (laughs) I'm coming in. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they had come up, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Syria, What confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses. Woohoo! And if you are able, on your part, to put riders on them. So he's kind of trying to make a deal with them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariot and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? Look at now what he's saying. Oh, how the enemy can twist the words around. Okay, now he's using the name of the Lord. Watch out. The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Now I'm just saying, just watch out. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna and Joah, said to Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it, and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. In other words, they're saying, you know, they don't want the people to get terrified here because this should have been a conversation that was held in private, right? And But Rabshakeh is doing this on purpose to scare the people, to let them know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take you out, and you don't have a chance to stand before us. But Rapshika said to him, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words, and not to the men who sit on the wall? Then Rapshika stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. So now he carries on in an even greater measure. Again, words, right? The words. He's speaking out words. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Syria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. He's laying. He's he's sowing. He is, isn't he? He's sowing. He's sowing. He's sowing. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present. Come out to me, and every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree. And every one of you drink waters of your own cisterns until I come and take you away to a land like your land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die. Do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Syria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim and Hena and Hiva? 
Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Hmm. Wow. Gotta love that. But the people held their peace. Eliakim, come the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household of, Sh- of Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of Rapshakah. And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. That's the right thing to do. There he went, right? It was bad news. It wasn't good news, but he went the right place. He went into the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household of Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. He went to the man of God next. And they sent to him and said, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rapshakah, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent, to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Notice what the, how, how it puts it. Your God, he's praying that God will hear the words that Rapshakah has spoken. Of course God heard them. <laughs> of course God heard them. But notice that he's concerned about the words. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servant of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Wow. Then the Rapshakah returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, and he heard, and he departed from Lachish. And the king heard concerning the hacker king of Ethiopia. Look, he has come out to make war with you. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given to the hand of king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the king of Assyria has done to all lands by utterly destroying them, And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed, Gozan and Haran and and Rezpah and the people of Eden who went in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of Sepharvaim, Hena and Iva? And Hezekiah received now, now first, first he came and spoke the words out into the people's ears and all their ears. And then second thing was he gets a letter. More words, right? (laughs) And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah, look what he does, went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Right place to go. And then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim. There you go. We go into the sanctuary and we remember who our God is. Our God is the God of the universe, of the whole earth. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He's in control. You are God. You atone 
You alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. You have made all of the earth. Incline your ear, O Lord. Hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to approach the living God. Truly, the Lord, the king of Assyria, truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that the kingdom of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. And then we have a great big long poem there. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass as he was worshipping in the temple of Nisroch, his god, and his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer struck him down with his sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Nice sons, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you some stories. <laughs> anyway, we see here that God was mindful of his own. And when we bring him, and when we obey, when we heed and listen and bow, he takes care of us. And the words, the words matter. The words matter. And so may we learn from these stories in the Bible that we will not harden our hearts, but we will humble our hearts, bow before his word, listen, obey as we do. We get to places we, beyond all that we thought dreams were imagined were possible in God. And so we have a wonderful, wonderful Lord and Savior. And this world, you know, looks like it's spinning like a whirling dervish out of whirl. But <laughs> he's in control. He's still in control. And he's our God. And we're on his side and he's on our side. And we're going to keep walking with him and walking in truth. And his truth will continue to set us free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for, for your word, for the power of your word and the word of your power, that you are in control and that we can trust and rest in that at all times. Help us, Lord. Help us to be those who humble our hearts, humble, humble ourselves, who bow at your word, who listen and who obey, because, Lord, we do want the promotion that comes only from you. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.